Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Deitch. My producer, as always, is Lou Pellegrino. And my guest this week is a familiar one. It is Sports Business Daily media reporter John Oran. Actually, calling the guest is just weird. I guess this would be just a conversation. Uh, John, of course, uh, is uh, a longtime guest of this podcast. Actually, he's, quite, he's like uh, America's guest now when it comes to sports media podcasts. I see him, I see him on every uh, podcast at this point. But he has been a longtime regular of this podcast, and we welcome him back. John, good to hear from you. We'll travel. We'll tra- hey, Richard, is there a rating on this? I mean, is this like a mature <laughs> audiences only? It's been getting kind of blue recently. I will say this, John. Uh, as you know, at least the people who listen to this podcast know, uh, Jim Miller was on a couple weeks ago. Uh, dropped an f bomb within the first thirty seconds of that podcast, and my God, the reaction to that was unbelievable. Uh, not just in downloads, but in uh, in 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 people reaching out. So yeah, John, if you, I feel like there's a correlation between um, f bombs and my downloads. So if you could drop a couple fucks in this podcast, I really. Uh, I really, Lou and I would appreciate it. We'll Here be we able to ready. pay our darn it. <laughs> we'll be able to pay our rent. Um, all right, so let's start off, John. With um, I want to start off with the NBA because you did a piece. Um, I don't know if it was this. Uh, we're taping on a Wednesday, a Thursday. I don't know if it was this week or last week, but the NBA's ratings are down this year. But what? Uh, not only nationally, but what's really interesting is the regional sports networks. And I think this again, this is your story. They dropped ten percent on average at the All Star break. And what's really jarring, I mean, it's 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 sort of kind of obvious, but yet to see it remains jarring. Just how far down uh, Knicks games are in New York, forty one percent on the MSG network. Bulls games are on NBC Sports Chicago, thirty six percent. And this was a surprise. Celtics games down on NBC Sports Boston, 27%. When you have those big markets down, you're obviously going to be down for the year. So let's start there, John. Just sort of top-line thoughts on what's going on with NBA viewership. Well, the, the thing with the NBA viewership is, you know, whenever we do the RSN ratings, some are up, some are down. Uh, and in fact, more regional sports networks, uh, more of the NBA games on regional sports networks this season are actually up. But the markets that you mentioned, Chicago, New York, you know, the, the whole Boston market, those drop-offs are so dramatic. I mean, 41% is a big drop-off in, a, in, in viewership that you can't just take a look at and say, like, oh, well, that's just because they're, they're not playing well. They haven't played – the Knicks haven't played well in how long, right? Um, right. And the same thing for the Bulls. They, I mean, they haven't been competitive in a, in a long time. And these are just dramatic drop-offs that, you know um, – that just they really made me sort of open my eyes. I mean, it's it's uh, it's wild to see. So, do you do you have any theories beyond the play on the court? So, uh, you know, the Knicks are bad, but and, and maybe even historically bad this year. But forty one percent is massive. Um, Chicago, some uh, you know they do have some young talent. Again, they're not having a good year, but I feel like there's potentially hope on the horizon. I think the one that sort of stunned me, John. Is Boston, and while they might not be the juggernaut people thought with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, Tatum, etc., for them to be down more than twenty five percent was kind of stunning to me. That I, I think of all of the ones that really surprised me, it wasn't New York or Chicago; it was Boston. Well, Boston is uh, generally not a very likable team right now, uh, and I, I think that the fans haven't taken to them. Uh, but but even even saying that, like you said. 
uh, more than 25% is a huge drop-off uh, for a, a year to year-over-year year, uh, look at things. I just think in the in uh, the markets that we just mentioned are all in the East, and I just think all of the storylines in the NBA have really kind of gone out west, and uh, you know, along with LeBron James, that the better teams, the better teams are out west. A lot of the ratings are doing uh, uh, better out west uh, than in the East, and um, I just think like you know, they're these. Look, I'm in D.C. The ratings in D.C. are down 15%. And other than Bradley Beal, you kind of don't even you don't even know who's on the court playing anymore. And I think that's the same case in Chicago. I think that's the same case in New York. I mean, they traded their uh, their sort of you know highest IQ score or not not IQ highest Q score uh, player. Um, you know, so so I think all of that adds up. It's interesting because I think when I think, I mean, again, and maybe I'm sort of Toronto centric because I live here now, but, you know, the Bucks have been great and they're a fascinating team to me. The Sixers added uh, players at the break, including obviously before that Jimmy Butler. The Raptors have been great. I know you don't get the TV uh, numbers from there and the Celtics are still good as are the Pacers. Um, but that's interesting to me. So, you know, you're in a city where the team really is bad, and obviously the Knicks and the Bulls. So maybe I'm thinking in terms of the East, some of the top-heavy teams are interesting, but the, the the larger majority of them in terms of a viewership play are not. I did see, John, um, and we'll eventually get to the national stuff, but Denver is up, right? Dallas is up. but And I think maybe people would be surprised at this. The Warriors are down this year locally, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned the Bucks. The Bucks are up 16%. Um, the, the Warriors... A lot of them, it's almost like the Patriots. A lot of people were talking about warrior fatigue. But you also take a look at, you know, Steph Curry missed a, a lot of games uh, with injury, and that hurts the, that hurts the TV ratings out there. Um, and uh, a lot of different things come into play. But what, I'm, uh, what, what I find almost more concerning than that is the national numbers, which are... Yeah, let's talk you know, about this. Specifically on TNT, which just are not very good. Okay, so what? So so let's get to them. I mean, I, we have talked. <clears throat> excuse me, we have talked about this before. I think far and away, uh, there are probably many factors as to why the numbers are down this year. But far and away, the biggest factor is LeBron James moving from the east to west changes everything. Because any because if you are TNT, you, over the last however many years, you could set up your uh, eight p.m. tip time when the Cavs or the Heat were playing another power team in the East, and you were guaranteed to get viewership. Not only that, John, what that also does is if you have a doubleheader, it gets people very excited about the NBA, and they, they I would think more eyeballs stay for the late game because you've just seen this very exciting game between LeBron and someone else. Now LeBron goes west, he's with the Lakers, and it's tough to find uh, – not it's tough. There is no other star in the East, at least in terms of a television play – that matches LeBron. As much as we love Giannis, as much as we love Kawhi and others, none of those guys are close to LeBron. So first and foremost, is that the thesis that you buy too? The biggest reason, maybe not all of it, but the biggest reason why national games are down, the switch from LeBron James from the east to the west? Uh, I think that's a reason, certainly. and I, I, it, okay. it, it, it affects. But again, LeBron got injured. He missed 20 games this season because of injury, and that, that, that hurts. Um, so far this season, uh, so on... TNT, uh, NBA games are down 18% compared to last year. James has only appeared in four games on TNT. Last year at the same time, it was eight. So that's that's a big effect on 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 uh, 
on, on everything. He's also missed a couple of games. ABC's flat, and he's missed a couple of games on, on ABC as well. But I, I think that you know having it at, at the later time, having the lead in not be as good, uh, like you said. Uh, so the you know the move out west did hurt the TV ratings. Um, uh, but I, also the injury. I mean, he's just he hasn't been in front of people for, for a long time. So what else do you think it could be? I mean, what's uh, TNT as you said is down eighteen percent. These are your numbers. NBA TV down seventeen percent. ABC's down three. To me, that ABC number can flip if you get one good game late. Exactly, that's going to flip. Yeah. Any any ESPN is flat, which means they could actually be up by the end of the year if they get better matchups. But is there anything that we're thinking about in terms of that TNT number outside of LeBron? I mean, you know, sometimes you start thinking of other things like the is it weather? Well, not really, because the weather hasn't been so great. So you'd think people would be in. Um, is it the NBA is down and it's not as hot a league? No, that's silly because I mean it's this is all cyclical and NBA fans are going to stay NBA fans. So what what else could it be? You think what I, I, you know if it was like a four percent drop, it'd be like ah, eh, you know, not that big a deal. But eighteen is one where you do sort of like hmm, what's up here? And we'll see. We'll see if they if it comes back uh, as as the season progresses. I will say this: I was at the Super Bowl uh, last year. And the, uh, the the Super Bowl week beforehand, NFL ratings were down again, and there was, um, you know, I won't say panic, but the, the people noticed, and and there was just this sense that that the NFL had to do something, and uh, and NFL or NBA, the NFL. This is before the okay. Super Bowl right. when when, gotcha. when the NFL okay. ratings were down, uh, because they'd been going for a couple of years, um, and the reason I started saying that is because just uh, last week I was in Charlotte before the NBA All Star Game. And the vibe was celebratory. The, and the NBA um, executives that I talked to view this as a blip. They think the storylines are still pretty good. They, they still see a lot of good young talent. They see that uh, a lot of you know, big market East Coast teams getting better. Um, and so th- there's, there's, a different, there's a different sense at the NBA where it, I think if, if, we're, if we're still talking about a ratings downturn in three years, then I think it, then I think you're going to see a panic set in. But right now they're they're just they feel like it's going to come back. They feel like the playoffs are going to be strong, and they feel like next year it's just going to be back to whatever it is because they 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 uh, they're just growing the sport a lot better. Yeah. Again, um, I think for anyone who starts thinking that sort of the NBA is in uh, trouble fundamentally, you, you'd be crazy. Um, well, you're you know, not seeing it from you're not seeing it from their executives. You're not seeing it from the media executives, and you're not seeing it from uh, from advertisers or sponsors. I mean, everybody's falling over themselves still to be associated with it. Right. And listen, there's no doubt that they're they're you know the post LeBron era is going to be really interesting and and somewhat challenging television wise, but. The one thing about the NBA, and it's it's obviously helped by college basketball, which is an incredible vehicle to sort of promote people before they get to the league. There's also it's also a sport where really, you know, transcendent type players are known even among a lot of sports fans in high school. And there's always talent in the pipeline. For instance, and we're taping this after the really awful like uh, scene at Duke with Zion Williamson blowing through his sneaker and uh, being out. Looks like he's not going to be out for a long time, so that's sort of good news. But, you know, that's a guy who people are fascinated by and totally want to see in the NBA. You know, no one's going to be the next LeBron. There's only one LeBron and one Michael Jordan. But it, 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 again, new talent comes. 
People get excited about stuff. The great thing about the NBA, John, as you know, is that there's always this silly season with free agents. As Kevin Durant or someone like that goes to New York, everything changes television-wise. The whole metric was seen, blows up. He was seen talking with Kyrie, and that became like a whole like a, a, a exactly news cycle right there. So yeah, so I would I would just caution anybody who somehow thinks that this um, this augurs like bad things for the NBA down the road. That said, look, the numbers are the numbers. Uh, I personally think it's math. It has so much to do with LeBron, um, but we'll see, and we'll see what the viewership is in the postseason. And I'm really curious to see if the Warriors make the finals, which I expect them to. Uh, what those numbers are this year, because it's not going to be LeBron versus the Warriors. You know, it's going to be LeBron either versus the Bucks or the Raptors or the Celtics and the Sixers. And likely that's going to be down and perhaps significantly down from other finals because you don't have LeBron carrying you. And and that will be interesting to me. Um, yeah, LeBron any, James it, as a TV star is uh, is undeniable. I mean, if you just take a look, it sounds obvious when you talk about it, but Cavaliers ratings are down uh, 56% from last year. Uh, wow. <laughs> Lakers ratings are up 42%. You know, so like, you just see where he goes from one – from one market to the next, and you just see like the the viewers just following him locally. It's a uh, it, it's you know uh, the, there are very very few athletes that, uh, that that are able to do that. Yeah, and the uh, it's interesting because I don't know if there's another athlete in any other American sport who could do that viewership wise. Maybe outside of uh, I'm talking about a team sport. You know, Tiger Woods could do that, but I don't know if there's any other athlete in a team sport who can uh, fundamentally change regional. Uh, viewership like that. I guess we'll see with Manny Machado in San Diego. Uh, I, I would the, love to see. I would love to see if <laughs> Steph was able to do it. Steph Curry. Maybe, maybe he could, if he went to another team, it's possible because he's. And, I, and I, you he, wait if if uh, if the Padres uh, signed Bryce Harper too, which has been rumored. Oof. Then uh, boy, those ratings are going to go through the roof. My God, Let's see. you know what? If I was a, if I was a twenty six year old guy with that kind of talent, and I had the opportunity to live in San Diego. And get paid three hundred million dollars. You, 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 you couldn't, you, you, you couldn't, you couldn't uh, buy my ticket fast enough. You would take your talents for that. to San Diego. Love it. Yeah. Instead, I'm taking my talents to the Great White North. Um, all right. So let's talk about. Let's we'll, we'll segue here. So we'll do a couple of different things because your time is valuable, John. I know you have very busy meetings today. Um, the uh, television networks again. I'm just basically reading your column, John, and then just doing a podcast off it. Television networks. Um, as you said, they're still years away from negotiating with the NFL when rights deals come up in 2021 and 2022. But we're starting to get some chatter about this, significant, uh, mostly thanks to you because you've been all over this story. And I think the most interesting thing outside of obviously all the broadcasters who want to retain, Fox wants to retain, CBS wants to retain, NBC wants to retain, is ESPN slash ABC. Why? Well, ESPN is really trying to put ABC in play in terms of a getting a Super Bowl. And I think they have, it feels like to me, John, a 50-50 or more than 50-50 shot because I think it also makes sense for the NFL. At this moment, what are you hearing about the viability of ESPN maybe getting part of the Super Bowl rotation using ABC? Well, that's what ESPN wants. Uh the NFL certainly wants to get at least one more bidder in there to get to keep everybody honest. And uh, and the thing that the thing that I found surprising about that, and I think the reason why why I wrote that column is for years, literally years, I've been writing about like, okay, here comes Facebook. Okay, watch out for Amazon. And in in uh, walking around and, and doing interviews for for big time NFL packages, 
it's like everybody's going back to the 1990s. It's all about broadcast television. And even even ESPN is figuring out, you know, wow, we have ABC, you know, and we want we want better games and we want to be in the Super Bowl rotation. So we got to start thinking about whether or not or how we can put football on on ABC. Um as as I as I see it with ABC, you know, the they're, they would be more interested in the primetime packages. So maybe keeping Monday Night Football and putting it on, on ABC or uh, or maybe going after, you know, who, who cares what day of the week it is? It's really about the schedule. So going after the best schedule, which it currently is on Sunday Night Football and, and trying to get that because they, they pay a billion dollars more per year than uh, for their rights than, than NBC does right now. I don't see them as getting into the Sunday afternoon ones. Um, it, it doesn't work. To get deep into the weeds, ABC doesn't own as many of, it, uh, of its uh, local stations as uh, the other broadcasters. It doesn't make as much sense for them to to go, go after a a Sunday afternoon package. But um, but prime time, I you know, they they are ready, willing, and able. I would say. Well, I think what's um, you know what what seems clear to me is that the NFL and correct me if I'm wrong here. I think the NFL wants to re-up with CBS, Fox, and NBC because until until uh, until they have said otherwise or until they believe the research says otherwise, they believe network television is still their best possible vehicle to push their brand. So now we're really only talking about will those networks pony up the money that the NFL wants, which I am sure they will because – The answer to that is yes. Yeah. Of course because essentially their, their network strategy at the moment revolves around the NFL – so it strikes me that the the only things we'll be talking about uh, in reality are, one, does EB, ESPN ABC get into the Super Bowl rotation? And two, and this is a real one, is there a package that they would carve out for another partner, whether that's Turner or whether that is a Amazon, Facebook, you know, the zone, Google, et cetera? So what do you think about that notion is would the NFL create a new package to bring in a – uh, one of these streaming or digital players? Uh, it's it's possible. And the NFL has been dabbling with Amazon, you know, selling them not an exclusive package, but selling them a package of Thursday night games. So, the, 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 you know, Yahoo has been streaming some games. So they have been getting out there and doing things, uh, doing things like that. But the whole history of the NFL suggests that, you know, they will do whatever they can to make sure that their product is on broadcast television so it can be seen by the most people uh, possible. So as cable was growing and ESPN was uh, w- w- was was growing, they were getting the crappiest. Does, does that count as a, a curse word, crappiest, Richard? Mm, not not as good as Miller's. No. Ah, damn. Uh, so uh, they, they were getting the worst schedules uh, out there because they were, they were the quote-unquote cable package. Turner has been dying to get into the NFL and has been offering a ton of money to get in with the NFL and the NFL doesn't want to do it because they're they're broadcast first. So the idea that they would carve out any kind of significant package and give it to to uh, one of these digital companies, even if the I mean these digital companies have deep pockets, uh, I just don't see that happening. It's not in the the league's DNA. Um, the one to watch though is, is Turner. Turner has, you know, they don't have a, any kind of broadcast um, component to to it right now, but they are now owned by AT and T. And you want to talk deep pockets? They also have very deep pockets, and they're being uh, led by David Levy, an executive that loves sports and really wants to get in with football. So that's a that's a sort of a wild card to take a look at there, in my opinion. 
Yeah, Turner has a lot of spots on their uh, on their schedule where they could fit the NFL in. So that's one interesting. And in terms of the zone, because John Skipper is the top content person there, I don't see that. It's uh, I think it's very clear that Skipper uh, one his relationship with the NFL is nearly not as good as some of these other execs, and two um, never seemed to have the love for football at ESPN. It's that, a great uh, what if, and we've talked about this yeah. before, but if if John Skipper were still the president of ESPN, I would be thinking that he'd be walking away from football. Live games, way, at least. That's the way yeah. everything seemed to be trending before he left. Yeah, live live games. Obviously, I think they'd still keep some kind of highlights, of course. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. You'd, you'd pay for that. But yeah, I, I could. it really would have been interesting to see if Monday Night Football would have been um, would have been elsewhere. Last one on this, John. Um, the NFL receives, uh, I think, about five point five billion annually if you combine all their media rights from the networks. Uh, that number is going to go up because everything always goes up. How much do you think it's going to go up come twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two? You got a guess? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's going to at least double. I would imagine. Um, uh, I, I think that if you if you take a look at the you know take a look at Fox for example, they. They sold off all their 21st Century Fox assets. They're now slimmed down as a broadcast network that's dependent on live rights. You know, and so they, that's why they went out and got the WWE. They, that's why they went early and redid a deal with baseball. Uh, that's why they went out and got Thursday Night Football. Um, I mean, so, so the even though even if ratings go down, and it's it's likely they're going to go down because because of cord cutting and everything else. The uh, the power of the NFL in this in this um, in this marketplace is is stronger than it's ever been because it really it, it is the only one. I mean, everybody's freaking out about the Super Bowl getting 98 million um, viewers and and falling below 100 million. It's the only thing that comes close to 100 million viewers. The Super Bowl and the NFL programming and just if you take a look at you know the most watched shows that's uh, that's all NFL. And that's where advertisers want to be, and that's what's going to support it. And it's, uh, I mean, the, uh, I would like to be with the NFL right now. I think, uh, you know, that, that, that's a stock that I would, uh, I, I would like to have. Let's move on to another football league, and that's the AAF. Um, they had an excellent first week in terms of viewership, especially on CBS, more than 3 million people checking that out. There's always going to be curiosity seekers with a new league, but that was a really good number, even for a new league. Uh, then uh, a little over 600,000. On the NFL Network, uh, I did not see the viewership numbers for this past week. Maybe you have them, but the big uh, news I, there I was—I don't was have it, them in front of me, but I know TNT got like over a million uh, people uh, watching it. So, not, it, so not doing bad, pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. So you know, we we there was a report in the Athletic about some cash flow issues that they might have had. Uh, it seems like, at least at the moment, there um, they found uh, more financial footing by bringing some people in in terms of uh, as part of their board but where do you see this product john in terms of in terms of a media play both uh but but specifically uh regarding the television rights holders that have already picked them up because very good start numbers wise and the other thing i would ask you is do you know if um if the aaf is being paid or if this is one of these rev share where you know the the networks allow the aaf to be on their airwaves and they 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 try to uh, split the profits when it comes to advertising. Um, it, it's a little bit. It's a little bit of a mixture of both. I mean, it's, uh, CBS is uh, is paying a little bit to get them on, uh, you know, CBS Sports Network. Um, but I, I, I don't don't think you can talk about the AAF without talking about the XFL, 
And I just think that the the deals that that these two leagues have made with you know the XFL. I don't know. I don't think these have been announced yet. But they, you know they they have a deal in place with Fox and with the ABC. Um, right. The AAF was on CBS broadcast. It was on Turner for their All Star uh, NBA All Star game. You know, as a, as a lead into that. So the, they're getting prime placement on big uh, on big national networks. NFL Network has the AAF as well. It just shows that. Uh, network executives uh, believe that there's an appetite for more football and spring football, and so one of the, one of the, I've always been bearish on on spring football. I've uh, I've uh, I've written t- dozens of stories about leagues that have come and gone that nobody would have ever heard of. Uh, these are these are two that one of these two really I think have, has a chance to make it. I'm not sure which one it's going to be or or how it's going to move forward, but it's uh, I I think that it's. Um, it, the football's been been good. The relationships they have with the national TV networks have been good, and it's uh, uh, the, the NFL isn't doesn't seem to be moving to squash either one of them. You know, which is a, well, which is always a, a problem. Yeah, the a, I mean, the NFL has actually come out, I think, and said, or at least the AF has said that you know they really think of themselves as a developmental league with the NFL and have absolutely no interest in competing with them. I guess the real question I would have for you, John, is is there any chance that both leagues could? succeed because that strikes me as problematic i don't know if there's enough interest uh there's certainly going to be enough places where the games will air but i don't know if there's enough viewer uh interest both uh media wise watching and maybe attendance wise to support both leagues but people do love football i I don't know if i had to bet i'd bet i'd bet both can't survive but maybe i'd be wrong what do you think I, I think it would be a long bet to, to, to have a, to have both survive. I, I can't see that happening, but uh, you know, they're in different markets, and you know, maybe maybe they could be viewed almost as, you know, two different college conferences. Maybe that could maybe maybe that could work. But my, I, I would put a lot of money that that uh, one of them will succeed as opposed to both of them. Uh, all right. And by the uh, way, I, I, we... let me let me restate that. I, sure. I, I'm not predicting that either one will succeed. I have no idea if they're going to succeed, but I I I I'd put a lot of money that both won't succeed. Let's say that. Gotcha. Okay. Um, all right. Before we get to uh, some quick Adnan Verk talk, you uh, you mentioned to me before we started, you wanted to mention something about uh, Raycom and the Atlantic Coast Conference. Well, yeah. As a kid that grew up in uh, Washington D.C., uh, when Maryland was in the ACC. You know, I, I grew up with Raycom as being part of, you know, it's Raycom Jefferson Pilot Teleproductions, and they would produce and syndicate all of the ACC basketball and football games. And uh, and it was a little bittersweet yesterday. If you were following Tim Brando on Twitter, he was, you know, he, you, you could tell there was a little bit of emotion there because uh, Raycom's um, association with the ACC is ending at the end of the ACC tournament this year. And it, I think it started back in 1979 or 1980. And so last night was the last time that Raycom produced a Duke Carolina game from Cameron. I mean, they, they, wow! Probable that they'll end up having an ACC final game between the two, but uh, but um, it, it's really the end of the era. And 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 you could see from these, you know, longtime broadcasters that you know it 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 really matters to them. And uh, and uh, you know, Tim Brando brought his family, according to uh, according to his Twitter feed, brought his family to. Uh, to the game, and you know, it, it was really meaningful to them. And uh, and I got to say, also, you know, as somebody that grew up with Raycom, it's meaningful to me in a bizarre way. It's just sort of like that's that's a brand that I, I've been associated with for for so long in terms of watching the ACC, and to, to think that it's ending, 
And it's ending because, uh, you know, the ACC is launching with the ACC network with ESPN, so they're taking all the syndication rights back. But it's, uh, it's, you know, I just thought that it would be good to sort of point that out. Yeah, I appreciate that. And just think of all the people behind the scenes that work for Raycom, from camera operators to engineers, et cetera. The, uh, I want to ask you, though, about the ACC network. Um, there's obviously going to be interest in the Carolinas and where the ACC schools are, but what's your what's your prognosis in terms of this being of interest to cable outlets outside of the ACC area? Um, I, if you had asked me this one year ago, I would have said it's going to it's doomed for failure. Uh, but it uh, one year on, they have deals with uh, Altice uh, in New York, which is hardly an ACC hotbed. They have a deal yep. with Verizon, uh, which is a national deal. So I don't know what the, what they're giving up or what sort of leverage uh, they're, they're giving up to get to get uh, th- these deals done. But uh, it's it's not going to be the, the the start that SEC Network was, where everybody had to have it when it launched. But it's going to be pretty successful when it launches. I, I I mean, you can already see the roadmap for for that. And the first time they have like a Clemson football game on there that people can't see. Then you'll start to see that that ramp up too. So I think, uh, like I, I was again, I was very bearish on them uh, about a year ago, and just seeing these deals get cut and Justin Connolly over in the uh, affiliate group at at ESPN uh, is sort of in charge of getting these done. Like he's done a really good job uh, with this, and I I've now turned 180 degrees on on what my prognosis of the ACC network is going to be. The uh, ACC and ESPN. Um that relationship goes through 2035, 36. So there is a lot of um, a lot of incentive for both those parties to make it work because they are tethered together for you know 20 years or so. Um, it's interesting that you say that. Obviously, I have great respect for your opinion, and and we'll watch. I I guess I will be very curious to see the interest in those brands outside of um, those markets. That said, the ACC does have some national brands. And that does that should make them attractive, um, at least in some quarters, you know, in the Midwest, in the East Coast, et cetera. So that's uh, that's one to watch. I should know this off the top of my head. I don't. When does it launch? Do you know uh, the it date, launches the exact in date? August. And okay. I, 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 and I do think I forget what the first matchup is, but uh, it might be Georgia Tech Clemson. I forget they it's, they have a pretty yeah, nice a, football game. They that's do going to be exclusive yeah. on uh, on ACC Network. Yeah, oh, trust me on that. You'll, you'll do ESPN marketing machine from Sports Center, <laughs> get ready, yeah. S- Sports Center to get up first take. It's going to be ACC week there. Trust me on that. Uh, just like um, they did with Duke Carolina. I don't know if you were watching ESPN yesterday, but it was a uh, it was an infomercial to to drive people to to the nine o'clock game. Yeah, that I could live with at least because I mean you know that's a national game. That's you know number one team in the country. But yeah, I mean uh, uh, it worked for me. You know. I tuned in. Yeah, so did I. I tuned in uh, uh, via TSN up here, in fact, uh, in uh, in Toronto. Um, all right. So lastly, Adnan Virk um, uh, talked about him with uh, with Jim Miller uh, in a singular podcast. If you want to go back on the archives and check that out, uh, Jim Miller bringing a lot of passion there, uh, not only about Adnan Virk being terminated, where both Miller and I believe uh, a suspension would have been. I think far more just, but ESPN's uh, discipline, the one thing that's consistent about it is that it's inconsistent. And two, Miller really went off on the fact that, um, you know, you terminated somebody for leaking, yet you leak the story of the termination yourself. Um, and that's a very fair, it's a very fair point to ponder. Um, 
So here's where I want to ask you, John. You can, you can weigh in on whatever you want with that and Virk. But the real question to me or the interesting one to me as we head forward is um, I think he'll be hired elsewhere. I don't think this – I don't think whether it's a Fox or a DAZN or some other place, um, I, I think they would – I think given the quality of Virk's work, his reputation as someone who's really a great colleague and a, and a class individual in his organization, I think he's going to – I think he's going to get hired somewhere else. That said um, – you know, it's. I do wonder if he's going to have to tell his employer, at least from his side, everything that happened. Um, so take that however you want. If you want to take your own sort of top line thoughts about Virk, but more than that is, do you expect to see him elsewhere uh, doing sports uh, for a major U.S. television network? Um, major U.S. television network. Um, I, I think I think he'll find work. Yeah, uh, I, where that work is, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's going to be. For for television or for you know potentially a streaming company, right, that right, may, may or may not have uh, MLB rights, you know, which is sort of <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, which is sort of uh, um, just say know, to zone, John. Don't 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 tap dance around. I don't it. know how to pronounce it. I don't know how to pronounce it, Richard. <laughs> um, the uh, but the uh, um, you know my take on 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 that whole that whole thing is that he was just. He just appears to be the wrong person at the wrong time, and yep. the the uh, you know Jimmy Pitaro came in under Skipper uh, and really under under Bodenheimer too, but really under Skipper, uh, the, the place was a sieve and people leaked all the time. And uh, Jimmy Pitaro came in and he's bringing sort of a Disney ethos there. And uh, I've I, this has been told to me by numerous people, and I'm sure you as well. You know his first sort of all hands on deck meeting, you know, somebody was recording it or, or sending a text or somehow the big lead was finding out about it and live tweeting the, uh, the, the meeting. And that irritated the, uh, the powers that be at ESPN so much that it almost seemed like, okay, the next one, we just have to make a, a statement about him and we have to, and, 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 and poor Adnan as you know, the, the guy that, that, uh, that sort of walked into that. Uh, yeah, so. the one th- the, we agree on this. I mean, I, I'll ask you direct, but it seems very clear to me that uh, Pataro was in his decision. And make no mistake, Jimmy Pataro ultimately at the end of the day is the person who made this decision because that's the kind of high-profile termination that the president of ESPN is going to have to sign off on. I think part of the calculus here, John, was that he was letting everyone else in this organization know that we're not tolerating leaks anymore. Do you agree that that in part of this decision there was a – not just however they determine the the actual event of what Virk did, but a larger statement to let the rank and file know that you can't do this. Oh, almost certainly, and because I, 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 I think that was the whole point of it, it, it is is to to make the statement to say like we are not leaking anymore. Because really, if you if you look at what's been reported on 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 what he uh, what he gave to awful announcing, I mean that's that it. The only way that that you can look at that and say, okay, let's fire him and not suspend him, is by saying, like, you know, hey, yeah, let's we we need to make a statement on this. And uh, correct. And, uh, I I mean, I I don't see any way that that you can any other way that you can kind of look at it. So yeah, I mean that that information was of interest to like what a thousand people maybe. That's no disrespect to awful announcing or Ben Koo. It's just it was very benign under the weeds kind of, you know a baseball item. I have no doubt that probably MLB was pissed off about it, but like it just, this wasn't like, 
I don't even know what we see. You know, this wasn't like uh, uh, Bob Woodward meeting Deep Throat in a parking lot in Washington, D.C. You know, I mean, it was (laughs) like there there should be some kind of semblance of, um, at least in my opinion, some kind of semblance of thought here by ESPN. The other thing, John, and I think both of us can have a good laugh at this. The idea that leaks are going to stop at ESPN. Really? I mean, the, the 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 place because of the business itself, the business that we are all in, is uh, it produces uh, elation, paranoia, gossip. It's just the nature of too many media people to talk. The idea that they're going to be able to rein in leaks is just silly. And then lastly, and this is where the uh, you know, if you want to call it irony or hypocrisy comes in. Without leaks, do we know the names of Adam Schefter, Adrian Wojnarowski, <laughs> Jeff Jeff Passan, Seth Wickersham? I mean, their entire, I shouldn't say their entire business model, but so much of their business model relies on people in athletics leaking to them, which they know. So the idea that you blew Virk out so quickly, given that so many of your insiders get leaks every day from these places, at least for me, was a little hard to swallow. I will say this: I do feel like uh, like people that will be, um, and I, I don't even consider it leaking info. Just uh, carrying on conversations with uh, with people outside of the company. You know, right. They are they are going to be they are and already have become much more careful. And uh, and so I would, it, I'd it, agree with that. Yeah. It has buttoned it, it, like it has sent the message. It has buttoned people up. Uh, I think it, it has um, probably shut down a couple of people who uh, who uh, would, would have normally leak stuff out um but um and and it's just made people a lot more careful about who they talk to and 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 what they bring up yeah we'll say this literally the day after adnan was fired i got a pretty good leak from somebody at espn i just couldn't confirm it before someone else reported it so it's not going to end uh that's the only thing i would uh that's the only thing i would say but yes i do think it has had a bit of a chilling effect i mean if jimmy Pitaro wants to take a little bit of a victory lap uh you know, around one of the $120 million studios that they have, um, he can do that because I do think it has quelled uh, at least a little bit of that. But the human, you can't, you can't be human nature and people will and, always, I think, talk. And I want to just give a message out to any potential leakers that nobody <laughs> will ever know. I would believe me, nobody will ever know. Yeah. Same, same here. I mean, I, if, uh, you know, and I think the people who have who have sourced me and leaked me in the past know that I will always write something in a way where uh, the ESPN PR department has to make at least five guesses as to who it is. And if you got five people who you think it might be, then ultimately at the end of the day, it's really nobody because you can never really guess. Um, all right, John, is there anything else we've course, now sent I, out? You, you can always just blame it on CAA anyway, right? Well, I'm I, again. I'm not. Uh, I have no comment on anything. But yeah, you could. Always, it's always fun. It's always fun to blame CAA. They're, those guys are so. Those guys are. Those guys and women are so wealthy that you know they can take the hit as they're driving along their second Malibu beach house. All right, John. Is there anything else that we need to discuss on this very abbreviated podcast? I mean, I I have not even gotten on you, John, for going on the uh, the Sports Illustrated Media podcast. I mean, you know, some might see that as a. Uh, as disloyalty, but I just want the Oran brand to, to get bigger and bigger. You know what? I'll, I am all about the uh, the brand of uh, the uh, absolutely. Although I do have to say, I called I called you up. I was like, I'm a team Deitch guy. I'm firmly firmly team Deitch. So I said, like, if if there was any problem, and you gave me your papal blessing. 
It's true. I gotta. I have to. You know, at the end of the day, it has to be more about the Oran brand than my uh, than my ego. Uh, John Oran uh, is the sports fine sports business daily and journal media reporter. And uh, check out his work on that excellent publication as well as check him out on Twitter. Uh, he, uh, you know, w- maybe as good as source person when it comes to the executive moves of uh, of the sports media networks. And, you know, whether it's NFL rights deals or uh, or carriage issues or viewership stuff, John O'Ran is uh, the absolute must source for that. John, uh, I appreciate your time. I know you, uh, you are on uh, assignment this week. So thanks for giving us a little bit of time today on the Sports Media Podcast. And uh, and stay on the line, John, as I uh, as I will conclude this podcast. And, and you're feel free if you would like to be a part of it and comment on any of the uh, previous guests I mentioned, okay? All right. So, okay, here we go. So that's uh, John Orand. Uh, my thanks, as always, to Lou Pellegrino. If you like the producer, if you like this podcast, um, previous guests, I shouldn't say if you like this podcast, but previous guests of this podcast include Mark Fainer Wada. Shannon Spake and Jeff Gluck. So that was a uh, a podcast on the Costas story that Fainer Uwada did. Shannon Spake has become the preeminent host of NASCAR. Jeff Gluck crowdfunding his uh, way through NASCAR. He's kind of interesting. Prior to that, James Andrew Miller and his F-bombs on the Adnan Burke situation. Kevin Harlan and Super Bowl director Mike Arnold on what it is like to work the Super Bowl. And then Go through the whole list, Laura Rutledge, uh, Tom Berducci, Bruce Feldman, uh, who else we got? Kate Abdo, Jamel Hill, Renee Young, Adam Schefter, Rachel Nichols, Rebecca Lowe, etc. If you like this kind of stuff, conversations with John Orand or one-on-ones with sports media people, please sign up for the Sports Media with Richard Deitch podcast. Leave us a review. That is how this podcast continues. John, did you want to weigh in on anything on, on what was an entirely shitty outro, I would call it by me? You know what? It, it was an all-star cast, and I, I have to say that the first one that you mentioned, that Costa story flew through, uh, through, through my mentions. It dom- dominated an entire week with, uh, with just different people uh, talking about like, why, he did, why he opened up and you know, what... Uh, you know, NBC's uh, role in everything, and uh, it's just a you know the, the the fascinating back and forth of ESPN reporting on NBC, which you generally don't see. It, uh, it, uh, it, the, the whole thing I, I found to be really cool, and that, that was a that was a particularly good one. Same thing, yeah. That was a really very very cool uh, sports media piece. And again, Fainer Rwada explained how we got Costas and uh, Costas talking to them, NBC's reaction. And response, which uh, they really uh, took them a while. It took Fainer Wada a while to get them, not surprisingly. So that was really, really interesting. All right. For Lou Pellegrino, for Cadence 13, for John O'Rand, this is Richard Deitch. We'll see you again on the Sports Media with Richard Deitch podcast.